Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, a new competitor for federal agencies in managing your money and a one-year recharge for the president's management agenda. It's Friday, December 2nd, 2022. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast. Every afternoon, you'll learn what's going on today in government. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Francis Rose. Salesforce brings the public sector and customers together in the digital age to access the new Veteran Mental Health and Resiliency Resources module. Go to trailhead.salesforce.com. A new player is offering financial management services through the Financial Management Quality Service Management Office at the Treasury Department. Four QSMOs continue to provide services to agencies. Michelle Singer is Chief Executive Officer of Mindful Advance. She's former Director of the Interior Business Center. Michelle, welcome. Thanks for coming on the program. Two things about this announcement that CGI Federal is working through the QSMO at Treasury uh, jumped out at me. One is the QSMOs are still alive and kicking and continuing into this administration from the last one. And the second is the introduction of a private sector company into this um, in, in, to basically compete with the government agencies that are offering financial management services. What do you take away from this development, Michelle? Welcome. Thank you, Francis. Um, happy to be here. First, you hit upon a great point. I'm thrilled to see the QSMOs this active, um, making progress uh, and doing what they do best, especially um, the QSMO at Treasury. Uh, they are uh, the best of the best there, and I'm thrilled to see them uh, making strides on this front. So that's our first good news. Um, the the second relatively good news, I think, is to see the introduction of uh, a private sector player into the market. I think it's healthy. I think it can be good. My caveat is we've seen this before in other facets of shared services in the fe- federal government where private sector vendors were introduced, they were available for um, for contract uh, to do work for agencies to provide uh, essential key administrative services. And there wasn't real adoption, um, you know, after uh, probably a decade or more of some availability of private sector vendors in this space and having virtually no adoption. My main question is, what's changed? Uh, what is going to make this possible, um, attractive, viable, all of those things for federal agencies looking to modernize financial management? And secondly, is the QSMO ready to provide the oversight so that the adoption of new financial management, more modern financial management systems is standardized so that it can scale large enough uh, to make it cost effective and standardize financial management operations across the parts of federal government that are able to. To your question about what's changed, I'm going to flip that around. What happened when private sector companies were involved in shared services before and it didn't take off that could potentially change this time around? I think uh, we have a savvier uh, federal workforce. Um, Time has passed. We're seeing... um, Activity in the QSMOs in terms of standardizing the services uh, that are needed. Um, there's better data available to allow for uh, hopefully more streamlined uh, integration and implementation of these services. Um, and I, I think there's an awareness. I do think there's 
learning from past mistakes that has truly taken place. And so I think that's changed. What hasn't changed, um, and it's the same old song, is the funding. Um, Who has the funding to procure and implement a new financial management system? It is an expensive endeavor. The upfront costs are real. And is anyone making that request to Congress in their budget? And are they able to make the case if they are making the request? And that's a big question mark. I'm not seeing that funding out there. And I'm not sure I'm seeing the political will at the agency leadership level to be first, uh, especially to adopt and work with a new private sector vendor. Well, and to your point about seeing the funding out there, the opposite seems to be the case. You pointed me to a blog post the Social Security Administration posted where they talk about funding they asked for and didn't get additional uh, additional funding would have allowed us to maintain level service by hiring employees, funding our fixed cost increases, funding IT projects and allocating enough overtime to handle workloads. And then they even put a caveat after that, provided there's not an unexpected and significant increase in demand for our services and programs. That's the same story, basically, that the Internal Revenue Service has told for, I don't know, 100 years, it seems like, especially about their IT. So the funding piece of it, I guess, will be the most difficult thing for a company like CGI Federal, who's getting into this space, to overcome. I mean, their BD people will just be wearing themselves out, I imagine. A hundred percent. So if if you have agencies like Social Security, um, like the IRS, like, I mean, I, I know the list could go on, that are fighting to keep up uh, with their normal course of business. And, and I mean, I don't want to get into a discussion on inflation, but if costs are rising across the board, they rise for the federal government too. Mm-hmm. So that increase in fixed costs is real. It's very real. And figuring out how to um, absorb fixed costs without an increase in budget allocation is an ongoing, decades-long challenge in the federal government. So if you have the Social Security Administration seeking and needing hundreds of millions of dollars to hold steady, how how do you get hundreds of millions of dollars to implement a new financial management system? Yeah. Having said that, quickly... um, the implementation of a new financial management system could streamline some operations, bring greater efficiencies, save costs, which could help cover some of those increased fixed costs. But that's a leap of faith we don't often see appropriators willing to take. Okay. And all of those things that you just described, every one of those factors you just laid out sounds to me like a checklist for a technology modernization fund, pro- uh, fund project, Michelle. 100%. I believe it's what it's there for. I believe they need to look for the um, most ready agency, the most nimble, probably not the largest, right? So reasonable size, not the most complicated, probably not one of your large federated agency, um, and and use that as a proof of concept and the seed money to do that to get it started. And then you, year over year, have to demonstrate your increased efficiencies and effectiveness, your cost savings, and highlight that you're directing those towards 
covering those increased fixed costs and other needs. And then you have a winning business model that other agencies could adopt. Once you've proved that, then I think you'd see appropriators more willing to fund additional costs or to fund additional funds in the technology modernization fund so that they could continue that oversight and funding at other agencies. So, and then all the things that you just laid out there are all of the things that Claire Martirana has told me they use as criteria to determine who gets the TMF awards. They like the, at least by looking at the list, they like the smaller non-federated agencies. They like nimble. They like shovel ready uh, to coin a phrase. Uh, all of those things. The challenge is, as I'm thinking through a timeline based on what you just laid out, this is years, decades in the making for these things to happen. And the way, for example, SSA laid out their case in that blog post, they don't have decades. They don't have years. They're operating with 7% fewer, they write in this post, uh, employees than they had before the pandemic started three years ago. So like that's, I mean, I don't know disrespect to the folks at Social Security, but from an objective business case perspective, that's starting to circle the drain. And that's the Social Security Administration. Millions of people depend on them. Absolutely. I mean, we're looking at a decades long effort, but if we don't get started, we'll never reach a successful uh, solution here. So we have to get started. And we need to get started now. And the 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 additional point I'd make is this has to be, for lack of a better term, future-proofed. This can't be a thing that starts and stops with each change of administration because we've seen that happen in the past where you lose a year or two every time there's a transition. This simply cannot do that because losing that momentum means you fall behind in technology, you lose some of your most talented workforce, you get stalled in the effort, um, and it's hard to regain momentum. So I don't have the answer for how you do that necessarily, but it has to be protected, isolated in a way that it does not stop at a political transition uh, whether at the agency level, at the executive level, wherever that transition happens, this needs to be solid and protected. You know the old saying, Michelle, the best time to start, best day to start was 10 years ago, and the second best day to start is today. It's great to have you on the program again. Thank you so much. You can read more about the new award for the financial management QSMO in today's show notes, thedailyscooppodcast.com. I'm Francis Rose, the host of the Daily Scoop Podcast. The number one CRM, Salesforce Customer 360 for Public Sector, is an integrated platform for public services. It features relationship management, case management, and lots more. You can learn more at salesforce.com slash government. The president's management agenda is celebrating a birthday. It debuted in mid-November 2021. Dave Mater is civilian sector strategy officer at Deloitte. He's former controller at the Office of Management and Budget and former chief financial officer at the Internal Revenue Service. Dave, welcome. Thanks for coming back on the program. What's your takeaway as far as where we are in the government broadly and in individual agencies that you're seeing with the PMA one year in? Welcome. Well, thank you, uh, Francis. A, a topic that is uh, near and dear to my heart, as I've I, I've gone through several administrations, PMAs, and 
you know, a year into um, this new PMA, I'm, I'm actually pleased with um, with the progress and the approach that they've taken. And I know, um, you know, a year ago, or so when when it was issued, it, it, you know, there was some concern as it looked a little different than, let's say, what was in the Trump administration and different than what was in the um, the Obama administration when I was at OMB. But when I sort of look at this now, what I think about is the, the PMA really is now sort of this overarching strategic direction for agencies. And it, you know, and it has the three primary focuses of the PMA. And people ask, well, well, how do you know, you know, how this is playing out across the, you know, the different agencies and, and departments? And I think what's really nice about the way OMB has structured this is there's a clear line now of sight between their high-level PMA and the agency priority goals, which are two-year goals, 2022 to 2023, and then all of the agency's strategic plans, which are 22 to 26. So when people ask me, well, you know, and, and a lot of the folks that, that I work with in shared services say, well, I didn't see shared services in the PMA. Well, it's actually in there, but the, the real important thing is to look at the agency priority goals and the strategic plans, because that's where you're going to see the implementation activities across the federal bureaucracy. You mentioned uh, what it looked like when it came out and, and the apprehension that people had. And I was in that crowd, to be honest with you, because, you know, I'm kind of a PMA nerd. I've been following this for a long time from the outside. I think in hindsight, a year later, that was kind of semantics, wasn't it? A lot of it revolved around the fact that the administration called it the PMA vision and people wondered, okay, well, what will the real thing look like? And it turns out it was the real thing. And you're right, it did look different. Um, but execution-wise, from what you just described, it sounds like it's consistent with what we've seen in PMAs over the last, well, how long have we been doing them now? 20 couple of years. Right. And, and the other thing, you know, Francis, that's important, as I mentioned, you know, the APGs and the strategic plan, but what's really important is then how does that sync up to the president's budget request in subsequent years, right? Because they're in the process now of, you know, working on the president's, you know, FY24 budget uh, proposal. And what we should be looking for when we look at the president's 24 budget proposal is within those agency specific asks for funding, you know, how are we seeing progress being identified? And how are we seeing investments being asked for from the Congress? To me, it's, it's how all of this fits together nicely. Yeah, one place that we're seeing too, and we talked about this on the program a couple of minutes ago uh, with Michelle Singer, who used to be at uh, Interior Business uh, Center. The agencies are individually are advocating for those positions and explaining what the the benefits and detriments are if they get the money or don't get the money. Social Security Administration is one of them who's saying, yes. we ask for this much more to do these specific things. And because we didn't get it, these specific things won't happen. And I think that's as a direct result, it strikes me, of being able to draw lines to those APGs and, and those strategic plans that then are a result of executing on the PMA. Am I putting all that together in the right way? Yeah, no, you and I are in sync in, in how, to, how to sort of view this holistically. And, and what's also interesting is when you look at those three priorities, um, they are actually also reflected in part in some of the communities. When you go on, you know, the, the, the OMB website, you see these different communities around customer experience and equity 
and you know trusted workforce 2.0 so you see you see these priorities playing out across what i think is sort of the overall management framework of this administration all of those things that you just listed too all the priority areas and all of that all have names attached to them for people who are responsible for them what's the power in that do you think dave I mean, the power of that and the names that are on there are, you know, are a combination of of political appointees and career folks. And, you know, and I go back to to the experience I had, you know, in the Obama administration is I think what what we learned there was in order to drive these um, these priorities across the breadth of of the federal government, you need senior level leaders, whether they're career people or political. And I think, you know, when you look at the alignment of of the folks against these communities, you know, it's a it's a nice combination because, you know, as you and I know, you know, political appointees come and go. So having, you know, having career people involved as well ensures consistency, you know, across not only the administration, but between administrations. Um, everybody knows that Google is right about everything. So I very quickly Googled when was the first president's management agenda created? And what I got back was summer of 2001. So I, I, I hope that's right. And if it's not, I apologize to everybody in the universe. But uh, no, I, I was going to say, actually, it goes back to the George W. Bush administration. OK, so I think Google's right then. And I think they are. What that means is now we have 21 years worth of these or 21 years worth of data to draw on. What do you see as being the long term consistency and or lack thereof? among how the PMAs evolved over time, Dave? I think one of the most consistent themes going, actually going back to, you know, the origins in the Bush administration is the emphasis on two things. One is on technology and the, and the technology deficit that we as a government, at least on the civilian side, I don't want to speak for for DOD, but on the civilian agencies where, where my area of expertise is, it's, you know, it's addressing that, accepted deficit that we have right and that deficit shows up then in how do citizens interact with their government right i mean you know we're spoiled by in our private lives on how we interact with you know with with different organizations different companies different vendors and yet when a citizen has to interact with social security the irs you're really like 20 years behind time so that consistency of we need to continue to invest in technology you know and the technology modernization fund is a great example now that has 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 started in you know started in obama was fulfilled in in trump and continues to be invested heavily in biden um i think the other area is is focus on results you know and that's evident with the learning agenda is we need to make decisions based on data and we need to hold ourselves accountable for the investments that the Congress gives us every year in the annual appropriation process. Another thing that I would argue as far as consistency goes that I think is important given the environment in which we live today, particularly in Washington, Dave, is we've mentioned four presidents in the course of this conversation. We've mentioned President Bush, President Trump, President Obama, President Biden, two Republicans, two Democrats, and a, a relatively consistent, uh, fine-tuning for the priorities of each administration, sure, President Biden's doesn't look exactly like President Trump's and it didn't look exactly like President Obama's, but there's a consistency in the themes throughout all of that 20 years, it seems to me. Yeah. And and I think one of those, it's the customer, 
its efficiency, its effectiveness of government, because we're spending, you know, our tax dollars in in implementing these missions. So, you know, that consistency of are you delivering the right services to the citizens and are you doing it in the most efficient and effective way? All right. If we have this conversation again, and I hope we do another year from now, what do you expect to see in the next year for, I guess, year two of this PMA? I'd like to see the Congress actually in the current pending CR actually move to a full, either pass all the appropriation bills or do an omnibus. Because I think, you know, today they were talking, well, maybe we need a year long CR. You know, they have, they're, they're responsible also for delivering to the American people, their, you know, their voters, their constituents. And I think, you know, what I'd be looking for is we do get an omnibus bill for, you know, FY23, the current year, and that, you know, as we move to see the president's budget in February of calendar year 2023, that we, you know, see the Congress stepping up and saying, yes, we're going to pass appropriation bills. Will it look exactly like what the president asked for? Probably not. But taking that uncertainty out of investments for agencies is really critical for success. Dave Mader, it's great to talk to you as always. Thanks for doing it. Thank you, Francis. You can read more about the new updates to the president's management agenda in today's show notes, thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Daily Scoop podcast is available on all the podcast platforms. If you don't want to miss a show, you can subscribe and get the show every weekday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you get your shows, and on any device you get your shows. And if you really like the Daily Scoop podcast, leave us a five-star rating and a review. It'll help more people find the show. The Daily Scoop podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney and Carlin Fisher helped me put the show together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. The Daily Scoop podcast is back next week. Have a great weekend. I'm Francis Rose. Thanks for listening.